Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com slash AMA. Embrace your role as a provider of lifelong learning. When you see your learning business as part of the ecosystem serving lifelong learners, you are better positioned to serve those learners and better positioned to deliver on your goals of reach, revenue, and impact. I'm Jeff Cobb. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 300 of the Leading Learning Podcast. That's right, episode 300. I feel like we need some fanfare or applause or or something here. Okay, that helps this feel like a special occasion. And 300 episodes is a big milestone and worth a little celebration. You know, when we sat down to record episode one back in 2015, Salisa, I don't think either of us knew what was coming. And to be honest, it feels like a minor miracle that we're still plugging away at this. I guess if nothing else, we're stubborn. Maybe uh, tenacious. That sounds a little better than stubborn. (laughs) Okay, tenacious. And on this special occasion, the occasion of our 300th episode, we want to take stock. Such milestones are natural times to pause and reflect. And as part of my personal reflection, I went back and listened to our first episode. Mm. (laughs) How was that? Well, um, I think I will confine my comments here to just saying that what struck me is that much of what we talked about in episode one, which was six and a half, seven years ago, it's still stuff that we're talking about. The importance of reach revenue and impact, the role of data in making informed decisions, the need to innovate and create blue oceans. So we're not only tenacious, we're also uh, repetitive. (laughs) Well, maybe, but you and I know the value of repetition when it comes to learning. That is true. And we've always thought of the Leading Learning Podcast as a learning resource, you know, informal learning, of course, but we've always hoped to provide practical and actionable insights. And since we've been doing this for almost seven years, I I guess we can also claim that we've done some spaced repetition as well. (laughs) You know, one of the other things that we talked about in that first episode was the growing importance and growing recognition of lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Lifelong learning. Definitely still important and even still growing in importance. So so many of the things driving its importance back in 2015, you know, technology innovations, the changing nature of work are still driving the importance of lifelong learning today. And of course, the COVID pandemic accelerated the pace of those changes. Yes. And the term lifelong learning isn't without its issues. In some ways, Lifelong learning is a controversial term. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we've kind of observed that over the years. I mean, we work in what we characterize as, you know, continuing education, professional development, but we think of it as lifelong learning. We sort of 
assume that the learning businesses we work with, the learning business professionals we work with, think of it as lifelong learning as well. But, but you know, we've noticed over time that that's, that's not always the case. In fact, a lot of learning businesses don't necessarily embrace that term lifelong learning. If you go, and I, I did this, if you go and do sort of a an informal survey of uh, websites, you'll you'll see continuing education and professional development all the time. You rarely see the words lifelong learning. And, and in fact, uh, it's interesting. I mean, we sometimes even encounter learning businesses, organizations that say we don't do lifelong learning. They, they obviously think of lifelong learning as, as something kind of different from the continuing education, professional development, conferences, meetings, seminars sort of world that uh, that we all live and work in. When I think that the fact that organizations we work with and serve sometimes don't own the term lifelong learning probably explains why we've tended to pair it with professional development and continuing education. So we'll talk about working with organizations that serve the global market for continuing education, professional development, and lifelong learning. But really, that's technically duplicative. That is, we see lifelong learning as the umbrella term, and professional development and continuing education fall under that umbrella. PD and CE are two types of lifelong learning in our book. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and even academic degrees and diplomas, those tend to get dismissed as lifelong learning. And of course, that's not where we focus. But but I'd argue if you're an adult and you've worked and made a living, then going back for a GED or a master's is part of lifelong learning. You know, for us, lifelong learning is any learning done by adults. And this isn't purely semantics or only theoretical. If organizations don't view what they're providing as lifelong learning, then they miss out on recognizing peer organizations and potential partners they also miss out on recognizing potential competitors because they'll fail to see University of Whatever or Coursera or edX or LinkedIn Learning as a threat, when really the adults they serve might see all of those as viable options. Yeah, definitely. And you know, those companies you mentioned, they certainly recognize this. They're embracing lifelong learning. I'll mention as an aside, I did a LinkedIn post on this uh, recently, and uh, so we'll be sure to link to that. It'd be good to get folks' reactions there. But, you know, Coursera, edX, LinkedIn, they all know that the the reskilling, the upskilling imperative is out there. They classify that as lifelong learning. Coursera now getting into degrees, of course, on top of certificate programs. So, you know, they're definitely seeing this as a rich area. One of those things that we have seen grow over the, the past six, seven years we've been doing this, and it was already growing rapidly, is competition. I mean, if you're a traditional continuing education and professional development provider, you've seen new entrants in your market, and, and unless you've been asleep, you've, you've seen them come in, uh, sometimes in the forms of those companies like Coursera and edX often in the form of your own subject matter experts who now have, you know, a completely new opportunity with the, the growth of online course platforms and, and other technologies that are now very affordable and very easy to use. And, you know, if you're an individual subject matter expert who wants to reach a global audience with what you know, you can do it now. You don't, you don't have to have, you know, a, a big budget to, to do that kind of thing like you did back in the old days. And I'd also argue that Splitting hairs, and by that I mean thinking that PD or CE isn't lifelong learning, also harms the learners because it keeps the lifelong learning market confusing and fragmented, 
And it puts a great burden on the learners to figure out how to stitch options together. And that burden, that need to figure it out, that hurts those most at risk. It hurts diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it means we're not living up to learning being the potentially equalizing democratic force that we tend to want to hold it up to be. Yeah, I think that's so important because, I mean, one of the biggest things that has changed in the past really couple of decades, but especially in the last five to 10 years, is simply the level of access to learning experiences. I mean, I just reference, you know, what you can do if you're an expert who wants to teach, if you're an organization wants to get out there. But on the lifelong learner side, I mean, what you now have access to is absolutely incredible. And and not just, you know, courses and classes and, and conferences, but all of the informal stuff all of the flow of information. But of course, that can be overwhelming very, very easily. And I I think it's extremely important for all of us in the learning business to realize that we're engaged in a common enterprise, that we do all need to be thinking about this as lifelong learning and thinking collectively, you know, what we do in in our own development of learning experiences, but also how we partner with each other, how we identify uh, how we interact across this this entire learning business landscape to, to help people make sense, to help those lifelong learners, whether they're doing it in their professional lives or in their personal lives, or in most cases, it's going to be a combination. How do we help them make sense? How do we help them navigate through all of this and really take advantage of the huge opportunity that's now available to people? And so I think by thinking of lifelong learning as that umbrella term, then we recognize that there are others with us underneath that umbrella. I think that gets at the sort of community aspect that you were just speaking to, Jeff, and also that sense of identity, that shared identity that we're all serving this lifelong learning market. I think, too, that we also have the option to sort of take that umbrella metaphor even further. And this idea of lifelong learning really is becoming an essential part of what we need in order to live and work. And so we can think of lifelong learning as being an umbrella, as providing protection, as providing shelter. And we really need to do as learning businesses all that we can do to make that lifelong learning opportunity as welcoming, as understandable as possible to everyone who needs it. We're grateful to Bench Prep for sponsoring the Leading Learning Podcast. Bench Prep is an award-winning learning platform purpose-built to help learners feel confident and prepared to take difficult entrance, certification, and licensing tests by delivering an intuitive, efficient, and engaging study experience. Bench Prep helps you accelerate test prep revenue growth by offering the tools you need to create market-ready products and data to improve your content and understand learner behavior. Many of the world's leading associations, credentialing bodies, test providers, and training companies trust Bench Prep to power their online study programs, including ACT, the Association of American Medical Colleges, CFA Institute, CompTIA, GMAC, McGraw-Hill Education, AccessLex, and more. More than 8 million learners have used Bench Prep to attain academic and professional success. To discover more, visit leadinglearning.com slash bench prep. Just as embracing the term lifelong learning creates some cohesion, connection, and community, so does the idea of learning businesses. 
Yes, and learning business is a term that we coined, and it's one that we use all the time, but it feels like it could be good to define it now. Right. And, you know, in in our world, it does have a specific meaning. We are talking about organizations or it can even be, you know, individuals, solopreneurs who are doing this, but these are learning providers who are market facing. So, you know, they're creating learning experiences they are selling them to adult lifelong learners. They have to generate revenue. Most of them have to generate positive net revenue profit in what they're doing. So they really, they are businesses and they are learning providers and that the blend of those two things make them learning businesses. And so learning businesses include trade and professional associations, academic continuing education units, training firms, edupreneurs, all of these kinds of organizations and people can be engaged in a learning business. And so, you know, Jeff, you just talked through several characteristics. I just added a little bit there. I mean, the reason we coined the term learning business is because there wasn't really a succinct term that encompassed all of these organizations. And yet we see a a common thread running through all of them, this market-facing adult learners, the need to really emphasize all of that. And that's why we wanted to have this term that then provides that sense of community and connection and where you see that similarity there. And we should add too that, you know, another reason for this is this is different from sort of standard corporate learning and development. We're not talking about corporate L&D organizations. It's different from academic degree programs. I mean, we said earlier that degrees obviously can be a part of lifelong learning, but that's a very different world to be an academic degree uh, provider. Whereas, you know, if you're a continuing education division, boy, there's been a a lot of innovation and growth in in that sector of academia. And and those in our minds uh, really are those sort of market-facing learning businesses serving those adult lifelong learners. And so what we see is that these learning businesses are really in an ecosystem that's made up of lifelong learners. I mean, so that's kind of this biggest pool. We have lifelong learners who are out there trying to figure out what they need to know, how to keep their skills and knowledge up to date, looking at the various options and exploring those and trying to find ones that match what they need and want. And then, of course, uh, you also have experts out there. And, you know, Jeff, you've alluded to this already, the fact that single subject matter experts have more options than ever to sort of go out on their own and be able to provide information. But sometimes they also work with learning businesses. We know that a lot of learning businesses rely on subject matter experts to deliver conference sessions, for example. And so this is really the world that we operate in as Leading Learning, as Tagoras, the the parent company for leading learning where, you know, traditionally we've concentrated very much on those sort of learning businesses. But over time, as we've seen what's happening with experts and the opportunities available to them, we've expanded out to to reach that group to both help them in working with learning businesses and help them in being learning businesses themselves and and really to, to deliver ultimately the impact that we want to see delivered across this learning business landscape, which brings us to that outer circle, the, the lifelong learners. And of course, we're all in that circle. You know, if you're working in a learning business, if you're an expert, you are a lifelong learner. Um, so that sort of encompasses all of us. And uh, and we've, we've finally made a, a visual of this. This is something that's probably long overdue um, for us to kind of explain to ourselves and explain to the world sort of where we see ourselves 
operating and, and serving this world of lifelong learning. So we encourage you to go to the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 300 to see our visual of those, you know, the, the, the learning businesses going out into the experts, going out into the lifelong learners. And of course, lifelong learners really encompassing all of that. You know, and what we're all about here is elevating and, and amplifying lifelong learning across those areas that we've just talked about. And I think part of elevating it is tied up with understanding the similarities that you have with other learning businesses because that offers the chance to partner. It also helps with strategy because it means you'll be better attuned to the options that are available to your learners. You know, I think the only thing worse than competing in a bloody red ocean is competing in a red ocean without realizing it. Yeah. And I mean, part of what you do realize once you, even with a simple drawing, like we're talking about a simple illustration, like we're, we're talking about, you, you start to realize this is big. There's a lot going on out there to go back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's confusing. There are a lot of new entrants in here that learners are having to sort through, you know, and that whole edupreneur space uh, seems like everybody and their mother has a course out there now. Um, that's just like, the, it's the new form of having a book or something like that. So it's very competitive. It, it's very confusing. And I think that's why, you know, over the years we have repeatedly come back to something like Blue Ocean Strategy. We've talked about strategy just in general a lot because it is becoming increasingly necessary to be strategic both as a learning business and as a learner, to really figure out how you fit in this landscape and sort of how you make your path across this landscape. And if, if you are a learning business, if you are a provider, and you can't articulate that in a, uh, in a clear and compelling way to your learners, you're going to have a really hard time, I think, uh, sort of surviving and thriving out there in this emerging learning business landscape. And we'll, we'll definitely make sure we link to some posts and some episodes on, on Blue Ocean Strategy and just, you know, some of the sort of strategic areas we've covered in, in general in the show notes for this episode. Again, for that, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 300. We've been talking about a couple of terminology issues. You know, we've been talking about lifelong learning. We've been talking about learning businesses. The reason we're talking about terminology isn't because we're language nerds though I think we are that. I think we do qualify and say yes. <laughs> but the real reason is because we see value and opportunity in embracing your role as a provider of lifelong learning and in embracing your role as a learning business. And it just really, it is a huge opportunity. It's an opportunity and it's a service to you know the, the, the people, whether they're members, whether they're customers, that, uh, that you're providing learning education experiences for. It's a service to the organizations those people work for. It's a service to the communities that those organizations operate in. It is a service to society. I mean, this is a, this is a, a big role, I think, for the whole arena of education, you know, to be an impactful provider of lifelong learning and to help to really elevate and amplify lifelong learning. There are three goals at the heart of almost all learning businesses, reach, revenue, and impact. And getting these areas to work together is key to delivering value and achieving success. To hark back to our origins, we even talked about reach, revenue, and impact in episode one. Reach, revenue, impact is the tagline of Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning. 
And we've always hoped that this podcast helps you with reach, revenue, and impact. Definitely. It's kind of an informal learning experience really centered around improving your reach, revenue, and impact. And so maybe let's talk about each of those uh, quickly. Reach is about connecting with as many of the right learners as you can. So it's not just about quantity, but also about quality. And of course, again, strategy is key to figuring out who those right learners are. You have to be clear about whom you serve if you're going to have the reach that you intend to have. A common mistake is to say the audience for your learning business is everyone in the field, profession, industry, or whatever market you're focused on. Membership organizations and nonprofits with a mission often make this mistake, but other learning businesses are susceptible to but it's usually not specific enough to say that your audience is X profession or Y industry. Usually the field, profession, industry, whatever, incorporates a huge range of variety. And it's very difficult to serve that variety and even harder to serve that variety well. Definitely. kind of goes back to that you know, competitive aspect that we were talking about earlier. If you want to compete well, you do have to identify who those right learners are for the specific learning experiences that you offer. That's the reach aspect. And then, of course, there is revenue. And revenue is the fuel. It's the lifeblood that keeps a learning business running and growing. And even for organizations organized as a nonprofit or organizations that offer learning as a member benefit – positive net revenue is usually essential or at least very highly desirable. Even in cases where break-even is all that's required, doing better than break-even means more money and therefore more resources to put against delivering on mission. And then if you're a for-profit learning business, revenue is often uh, a front and center goal and, and maximizing that revenue then becomes important, both from an idealistic point of view, the commitment to mission, and from an operational and fiscal standpoint. Revenue is, of course, tied to reach. You need to reach the quality and quantity of learners that we've been talking about. And to maximize revenue, you need to understand your audience. What do they need? What do they value? What will they pay for? And you also need to understand pricing. And pricing is something that we have talked a lot about on the podcast over the years. So we'll make sure to include in the show notes some links to some resources around pricing. And so we won't spend a lot of time on that right now, but I will just make the perhaps obvious point but it's often overlooked, that increasing prices, as long as you do that without increasing costs, is the easiest way to increase your learning business's revenue. So that's revenue, and we've covered reach. And then the the third leg in our three-legged stool here is impact. And Impact is what makes a learning business vital and sustainable over time. It's it's really hopefully what we're all going for. I mean, we're not just putting you know more information, more experiences out there just for the sake of doing it. We really want to help people. We really want to create positive change. We want to be able to know that we've done that. And learning businesses that can create significant impact for the learners, the organizations, and the fields and industry they serve, they not only survive, but they thrive. And learning businesses that fail to deliver or show impact ultimately are going to have trouble surviving because of that competition for learners' time and attention and money that we've talked about. It's, it's, it's really fierce out there right now. 
Again, you know, learners are overwhelmed with choices and feeling increasingly time poor. So they need to know that the learning they're investing in will really help them. And it's not just the learners who need to know that, but also the employers and other stakeholders who have a hand in paying directly for the individual's education. They want to know that it means something. And beyond the individual learners, there's also that mission perspective too. Many learning businesses, perhaps especially those that are are nonprofits or, or, or within associations, have a higher mission that's focused beyond learners and is about raising the bar in the field or industry or profession they serve. And I think, you know, even, even many for-profit learning businesses have that sense of mission. There's just something about being in education, being in in learning that makes that kind of inherent to the business. You know, and the fact is it's easier than ever before to to measure impact with some of the the new and improved tools and, and technologies that we have. So, It's becoming common for learners and other stakeholders to expect to get data about the effectiveness and impact of particular educational products or experiences. And of course, the learning businesses should want that data. They should want to know that they are having a measurable impact out in the fields, the professions, the the industries that they are serving. And Jeff, you know, you already mentioned these are three legs of a stool. You use that uh, analogy there. And so reach, revenue, and impact need to be in balance. If reach and revenue are given too much emphasis and impact is neglected, then value problems are going to arise. Learners don't see the kind of results that will make them tell others and want to come back themselves. If reach and impact are stressed without sufficient emphasis on revenue, then the business is going to ultimately grind to a halt, whether that's quickly or over time, but that's because then it's going to lack the funding, the fuel to continue. And then if reach is ignored while the organization aspires to revenue and impact, then you might have potentially valuable offerings that are kind of best kept secrets that no one really knows about. So keep your goals for reach, revenue, and impact balanced. And keep those three goals balanced with an acknowledgement that you're serving lifelong learners. Embrace your role as a provider of lifelong learning. When you see your learning business as part of the ecosystem serving lifelong learners, you are better positioned to serve those learners and better positioned to deliver on your goals of reach, revenue, and impact. For full show notes and other resources to help you think about your learning business's role in lifelong learning, please visit leadinglearning.com slash episode 300. And as a gift to us on the occasion of our 300th episode, we'd be grateful if you would please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet, and give us a rating and review, especially if you enjoy the show or and and or spread the word about leading learning. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 300, you'll find links to subscribe, to rate us on Apple Podcasts, and to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.